What you just heard and saw was first written four years ago with a magic marker on the wall of a 24-7 prayer room in England. A 24-7 prayer room is a gathering place where people have committed to having 24-hour prayer, seven days a week. And it was made up mostly of, of young people who are doing this and committed to this. And uh, this, this uh, written, uh, it was first in written form when it was transmitted. And it just spread all around the world, this thing called the vision. And, uh, you know, it's been found everywhere. It's been found in underground newspapers in China. It's been found in church bulletins in Stockholm, Sweden. It's, it's been found, uh, done into DJ mixes in New York City. Uh, the vision just resonates with people, many people who, when they first hear it, they're stirred on the inside. And everything inside them just wants to say, yes, yes, everything in me agrees with this. And it's like an anthem or a theme song of their life. It's a rallying cry. It's a trumpet call for those who are traveling through this world. And when people who get this get the vision and they understand it and, and it connects with them, it resonates with them. When they meet someone else who gets it, there is just like this instantaneous kind of camaraderie that happens with these people. Now, for others who first hear the vision, it's frightening. It's like, what in the world is this? This is kind of freaky. It sounds rough. It sounds barbaric. And for some the language in this and is just foreign. It's just foreign. And really, if, if, if those people were to meet someone who actually lived like what was described in the vision, it would be like meeting an alien. It would be like meeting an alien. And the truth is that those who live like what is described in this, in this poem, uh, I'll, I'll just call it that, they are aliens. They are strangers in this world. 1 Peter 2.11 from the New Testament says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in this world to abstain from the sinful desires which war against your soul. There are some of us who probably don't even want to hear this. You don't want to hear where this is going. Because you're already thinking, Look, you know what? I already feel like a freak. I already, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to fit in. I don't want to ruffle the waters. I don't want to draw any attention to myself. You know, I don't want to be strange. I don't want to be different. I don't want to be set apart in any way. I just want to be like everybody else. If you're thinking like this, then I just want you to know up front, you're probably going to have a hard time with this whole message series on aliens. It's going to be rough on you. So I'll just warn you up front. I'll just warn you up front that what we're talking about is God asking us to live like aliens to not live and to not be like everyone else. Since our world is becoming ever smaller without borders, and especially in our country where we're kind of a melting pot for everyone in the world, the idea of a foreigner, well, it's, it's familiar. The idea of strange customs and strange ways of other human beings from other nations, it doesn't really shock us anymore or phase us. A, a, a foreigner is simply not foreign anymore. We're used to that kind of thing. But there's another kind of foreigner, another kind of alien that still grabs our attention and shocks us. And for the past 60 years, there have been writers within our culture 
that have used fictional stories of aliens from outer space to help describe our real encounters with difficult and unfamiliar things that we experience here on this planet in the real world. You know, the popular book in uh, the movie series, uh, Aliens, uh, or Alien, which came out in the 80s, it really was just a commentary on uh, Vietnam veterans' experience uh, that they had. It's kind of a strange genre to really talk about Vietnam. But that's really what that... But that and, and people enjoyed that movie and watched that movie without ever even knowing that. But that was uh, the writer's intention. Uh, you know, uh, there was a TV show that was on a while ago, uh, Third Rock from the Sun. And it was a humorous uh, sitcom where it, it was trying to give a picture of our customs and our ways here in America and how th- what that would look like from an outsider's perspective and how strange and really foreign we really are in our own country. Uh, one of our favorite aliens in the United States uh, is, who maybe falls more in the category of a superhero is, is Superman. He's the alien who has come to live among us and he's learned our ways. In fact, he loves us and has kind of named himself self-protector. Of, of the people. Well, there are different stories about aliens that, that are in our culture. And so what I'd like to do today is I'd like to take the biblical metaphor of an alien and I'd just like to jumpstart it just a little bit so we can get a better grasp on this idea of God desiring us to live as aliens and to finally look at why God desires us to do this. Why in the world? And it might also help you understand people who identify with this writing, the vision, and how you might want to be a part of that vision too. So let me uh, first just set up this story. I get my little storytelling stool out here and uh, share with you this story in the cultural terms of an alien story. So here is the great alien story. A long, long time ago, See the Star Wars beginning? In a galaxy very near here. There existed the alien being who is all-powerful, all-knowing, fully present everywhere. He has existed eternally as three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, who are not separate from one another, but yet have distinctive roles and carry out in this cosmic story. It all begins when the alien being decides to make the universe with all sorts of diverse life forms. He is not like the force described in Star Wars, which is impersonal. He is knowable, and the universe he creates is separate from himself. He is not part of his creation, yet he holds it together by his power. The alien being is spirit. But in his universe, he creates several dimensions, but only three of which we know of, which are the physical realm, the spiritual realm, and a third realm where the physical and spiritual interact. All the realms of the created universe belong to the alien being. They're a part of his kingdom. There is order, there's stability in the whole kingdom universe. Because of his power and the natural laws he has set in place, everything is good and perfect in his kingdom universe. In this creative burst, the alien being makes other supernatural beings like himself yet less powerful, who are able, like the alien being, to move freely in and out of the three dimensions. These other spiritual beings, the alien being calls angels. The more powerful angels, archangels. 
along with the alien, the, the angels, the alien also makes other beings called humans, which he refers to as his crowning achievement. There's something peculiar how the alien being makes humans. He makes them in his likeness, which is different than any other thing in his creation. But he makes them a mixture of the physical realm and the spiritual realm. They have physical bodies, but living spirit inside. Although the humans are a mixture of two different realms, they can't move between the three dimensions. They do not have supernatural power to bend and move through the natural laws set up by the alien being. He makes them less powerful than the angels, whom he calls servants. Yet he gives human, humans dominion over one particular planet called Earth. And he tells them that they are to be the caretakers and stewards of this planet. The alien being seems to give special attention to these half-breeds of spirit and flesh. And he purposes to use the angels to serve and aid the humans. Both these beings, angels and humans, have will. They're not robots. In the beginning, they all willingly serve the alien being. The alien story heats up. It gets exciting when there is a rebellion. And that begins in the spiritual realm. It's led by an archangel called Lucifer, also known as Satan, and later nicknamed the dragon. It was estimated that a third of all the angels joined Lucifer's rebellion, but they are not successful, and they are not powerful enough to carry out their plan, and they are cast out of the spiritual dimension of the alien's realm to roam the in-between dimension and the physical dimension. No one is sure why this rebellion started, but one thing is sure, that Satan and his angels were enraged and though they were powerless against the alien, they expanded the rebellion by attacking humans on earth. The rebellion's intent was to totally destroy the first human beings and then to mar their descendants forever. Their plan was insidious. They found a way through the alien beings' own laws, a way to destroy the spirit within the human beings. By seducing and beguiling the humans, the humans, by their own will, chose against the alien being. And their choice killed the spirit within them. And they became only physical beings. With the spirit inside them dead, the alien being said it was only a matter of time before their physical bodies would die too. Because of their loss of their spirit, humans could no longer communicate with the alien being like they used to. And a growing separation began to occur between the humans and the alien. The loss of communication inspired the forces of the rebellion, and they did whatever they could to increase the separation between humans and the alien being. The rebellion had ensured that all descendants of the first humans were born with a dead spirit, but that wasn't enough. The rebellion, knowing that their time was short before the alien would bring all things to an end, worked in spite and rage to wipe out any trace of the alien being that was found anywhere on the planet Earth. Earth became the stronghold for the rebellion, the one place in the whole universe that has, had succeeded from the kingdom. Their all-encompassing strategy was setting up a world system to infiltrate every aspect of life with the goal of distorting humanity by having them participate in the world system, which did everything contrary to the ways of the kingdom. 
The system was later simply called the world. Humans in the world were claimed by the rebellion and considered enemies of the alien being. In spite of the rebellion's efforts, though, many humans, even though they were born into the world system on the planet Earth, they would still sense traces of the alien being. And though not even knowing the alien being or even his name, they would sense a loss of something. Many were like Neo in the Matrix, sensing somehow there was more than the realm around them, the world system that they lived in. During all this, the alien being wasn't sitting on his hands. He was always working what seemed to be a master plan to rescue humans out of the world and to bring them back into his kingdom. His concern and his affection for the humans had not wavered. And he found a way to rescue humans without violating his own laws and without causing massive destruction through a war in the physical, physical realm. And this part of the great alien story, most of us have heard, we're pretty familiar with. Although I don't know if we fully understand the significance of how it changed the tide for everything in this alien story. You see, everything has changed since the alien came and dwelt among us and gave himself away at the great exchange on the cross. The great exchange was just the beginning to pull us out of the world system back into the kingdom. The great exchange just didn't bring pardon and forgiveness for humanity's partnership in the rebellion. It just didn't grant humans citizenship back into the kingdom. It was more than an exchange for one system of rules for another system of rules. It was an exchange of the human's dead spirit for the living spirit of the alien being. Yeah, we're talking about an invasion of the body snatcher. The humans came to discover that the part of the alien being's great plan, the part of his plan was reviving his likeness, his image in every human that would grant him entrance into their life. And as humans came back to the alien being through the great exchange at the cross, the alien poured himself into those humans, enabling them not to only overcome the world system, but to live a restored life that is in harmony with the kingdom. The invasion by request caused an uprising of the kingdom on earth, and it pushed back the rebellion forces in much of their territory. It also created a new sort of being on the planet earth, humans with the spirit of the alien within them. It made them something more than human. They were little aliens. With the spirit of the alien within them, they had new powers. Once again, they had the ability to communicate with the alien. Another power being able to spiritually battle with weapons that were not of the physical realm. The alien being promises to bring an end to the rebellion, which he could do at the blink of an eye. But he's very patient, and he doesn't wish for any human to perish and not translate out of the physical realm to be with him in the spiritual realm. So because of the alien's great patience, the cosmic battle has continued up to this day. And so the great alien story is still to be continued. But I'll finish here. The end. So, what are the consequences of this alien story? In the perspective of, of looking at ourselves, 
as aliens in this alien story. I want to share with you a few things from Scripture that might more, it just might make more sense of what God has instructed us. It might more, make more sense in what He's saying when He says, I want you to live as aliens and strangers on this planet. So listen to these things that come from the Scripture. One, God says that the world is mine and everything that is in it. Though there is a real cosmic battle going on, it's not make-believe. It's not a battle between two equal powers. It's not the yin and the yang. It is a rebellion. It is a civil war. And God has the greater power and will always have the upper hand because the enemy is not equal in power and will never be equal in power to God. God made all things, including the earth and all that is in it, and He wants it back. It's His. God the Father... Through the Son, Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. John 18, 36. Though God made the world and it belongs to Him, He does not consider it part of His kingdom, which is subject to Him. But there is a sense of mission. When you hear Jesus' Jesus's prayer that He taught us, when He prayed, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus desires the world to be under the kingdom once again. The planet in rebellion is going to come back under the kingdom, under the rule of our great God. Jesus said to His followers, to those who placed total trust and faith in Him, He says, as it is, you do not belong to this world. You don't belong anymore. This world is not your home. We don't belong to the world system anymore. We are now citizens of the kingdom of God. We don't belong to this place anymore. You can sing all you want along with Michael W. Smith. I'm looking for my place in this world. My place in this world. I'm making fun of his nasal nose there. But but God says... I mean, it's a pretty song, but it's just not, it's not real for us who are living as aliens. I'm telling you that God says your place is with Him and His kingdom. And you can look as long as you want, but you will not find your place in this world. I'm sorry. He has invaded your life by permission, and He has made you an alien. You are now part of the underground movement that resists the rebellion in enemy territory. God tells us as aliens, do not love the world or anything in the world. 1 John 2.15, meaning the world's system or the world's ways. Here's our problem as aliens in the affluent United States. We want to love the world system, but we know we shouldn't. And according to the scriptures, there are just two groups of people in this world. You got your natives. You got your natives on this planet. And we were all natives once upon a time. And then you got your aliens who are not to, they're in this world, but they're not to live, they're not to be a part of it. So just two kinds of people on this planet, natives and aliens. We as aliens sometimes really like what the natives are doing. And we like, well, just say this, we want to be a part of what they're doing. We want to be a part of it too. Yet at the same time, 
We don't want to let go of our status as aliens, as citizens of another kingdom. So what has the church in the U.S. done? We've created a third group of people. We've created tourists. We've created tourists. We take a holiday off from our alien status and we slip on down to take a taste of the native culture. We just like visiting, taking a few pictures, taking the sights, the sounds, the food and the drink, and then we'll go back to our alien status, status, maybe. The American church has started issuing extended visas now. But you know what? This has got to stop. It's got to stop. This is why the vision, what I would label as prophetic poetry written by a true alien, is so foreign to many churchgoers. We've got to wake up. We've got to rip up our tourist visa, and we've got to come back to being a people who live by faith and not by sight. We need teens who will laugh at labels, fast from essentials, and not let advertisers in Hollywood mold them. And I want you to listen here on the front row, kids, because you need to hear this. You really do, because we need you. We need you to be able to resist the rebellion. We need you to live like strangers in this world and not conform to the world any longer, but be transformed in your thinking and in your ways by the power of God. We need young single men and single women who will give up the game of minimum integrity and reach for the stars and to scorn what is good and live for what is best and dangerously pure. We need young married couples to stop saying, for me, to live is money, and to die is to lose it all. And instead say, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. We need fathers to be soldiers who will take a bullet for his comrades in arms. And those comrades might just not be your buddies. Your comrade in arms might be your wife and kids. Instead, Instead of taking a bullet for your career or for your image. We need mothers who understand that living by surrender and sacrifice instead of control fuels the fire and gains the applause of heaven. We need older men and women who haven't retired from the kingdom of God to show us what it means to be free from materialism and how to choose Jesus with every single breath. We've totally lost sight as to why the Lord has asked us to live as aliens, to live set apart from the world system. What is that reason? Why does He want us to do this? Well, let me tell you this. God tells us He loves the world. John 3.16. Meaning He loves the people in the world system. He wants us to do the same. Jesus the Son asked God the Father to not take us out of this world, but to protect us while we're in it. John 17, 15. It seems that God has honored Jesus' prayer because we're still here. When you and I put your trust in Jesus and open the door to let Him invade our hearts, God didn't snatch us up into the spiritual realm of heaven. We're still here in the physical realm. And as aliens, we're in this world, but we're not of it. So why? So why does God have us here in this world, but having us live as strangers and never a part of it? God tells us as aliens that you are the light of the world. Matthew 5, 14. He says we're to shed light. Here's part of the reason He's got us here as aliens. Jesus said that when we do good things to others, it's shining light on God the Father. And it may give cause for people to acknowledge and praise God. This alien light shining stuff 
isn't just about doing things, though. It's also about being and becoming something. The Scriptures say that we are to reflect the Lord's glory as we are being transformed into His likeness. 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3.18 We are to be His reflection to the world around us. And we can't do that if we look just like the world. There are so many distorted views of God already, but He has made us aliens. Aliens that look like Him so that the world might get a good, accurate picture of who He is. We're just like the moon. None of us have our own light. We just take the light of the sun and we reflect it. And sometimes we just need to clear away the clouds and the stuff that's in the way of us reflecting the Lord. You know, around here in in the Appalachian Mountains, we see mist and vapors hanging all over the mountains all the time. The sun comes out, burns it all off, and the mist is gone. Just like that. God says that your life is like a mist that appears for a little while and then disappears and vanishes. And what our lives on this planet are really short. They're really short. You know, sometimes... A mist, even though it's just here for a moment and gone, a mist can do some wonderful things. It can catch the sunlight. And as the light refracts through the mist and through those vapors, it makes different colors and it creates a rainbow. And you know what a rainbow is? It's a sign. It's, it's, a, it's a sign of God's promise. I know that my life is short on this planet. And so I want to make it count. I know that you guys probably feel the same way. And I know that if we're here today and gone tomorrow like a mist, then we should desire to reflect the Lord's light. I want to live as an alien, not as a native, not as a tourist. I want to reflect the the Lord's glory so people around me might see a good picture of Jesus. So what's all this about? What am I asking you to do? What am I telling you? It's not just me. It's what the Scriptures say. And what the Scriptures are saying to us is rip up your tourist visas. Get rid of them. Stop getting so comfortable with this world. I know there's lots of things, wonderful things on this planet. Sometimes it's hard to get away from it. But this is not our home. It's time to start living like a stranger in this world, living like an alien again. You know, if you're a native, if you're here and you're a native, you've never asked the Lord to invade your life, I I hope that you will. I hope that you will invite God to invade your life and that His presence will awaken your dead spirit and make it alive again in you. And you know what will happen? What will be starting to form inside you is the likeness of Jesus Christ. You know what the word Christian actually means? It means little Christ. You know, I talked about being little aliens. Really what the Lord is doing, He's, he's working in us to make us just like little, little pictures of Him. That's what He's doing. I'm going to... I asked... Uh, Jazz and Sherman and, and a friend to come on up and to sing again this song because I, I believe it's a song 
saying, Lord, I, I want to live apart from you. I want to live as an alien. I know that um, you know, I made fun of that one song, but there are, there are some good alien songs out there. And uh, maybe some of you have heard some of them. You know, uh, there's, there's an alien song that comes from this region of the country. It goes like this. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. There's another one maybe you've heard. It goes like this. In my life, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified in my world, Lord. Be glorified today. There's some good alien songs out there. It might help you along the way on your journey if you sing some of those songs. Just hum them in your head and just remind yourself that you're just passing through.